0: So today, make yourself comfortable. I'm your speaker, and there you are, and I pray that you've been comfortable here. Comfortable enough to make a decision for Jesus, and when you say, what's that mean? Some people like, I don't know if I want to let anybody know anything. No better place than a Bible camp, so I pray that you're at home. My family is uh, praying for me. I appreciate them. There's my kitty cat, Gray. There's my wife, And then there's... Andy and Lindsay, who have made us grandparents of James Stewart Moser. And I'm happy as a frog jumping around. There's my kitty cat. Grace. And that's what I hope prevails against you. And you say, wow, you like Grace. Uh, yeah, I believe I do. It's, uh, I got her name on my book. Grace. There's my church family with my friend Jonathan Fowell. Uh Jonathan's church is a little bit bigger than mine. I got twenty two he's got twenty two thousand, but um, uh, first Sunday, first day, rather on Monday, we talked about God's love, Valentine's Day, right? What was the second day? Birthday. Oh, birthdays, we say it's your birthday. yeah, we picked a date that uh, you can have twice a presence if you have two birthdays, you can have a physical and a spiritual birth. and then yesterday was what what two yesterday. yeah <laughs> Christmas and Easter, don't be a creaster. Try to go more than twice a year to church. And whoosh, there you go. And I thought it was so neat from the cradle to the cross to the crown. That's Jesus' life for us. Okay. Hope those pictures help. Today, uh, New Year's Day, and hmm. What else? Yeah, happy 4th of July. So it's sort of like I'll give you a revelation today. You say, what do you mean, revelation? Uh, well, if something's hadn't been clear to you and you say, oh, it's finally revealed. Like if they said somebody in here has won a prize, and we're going to tell you who the person who won the prize is. So they're going to pull your name out of a hat and know they're going to reveal the winner to you. Well, today, so like a revelation, I'm going to uh, use that keyword revelation and then just change it because you know the two words that I'll put with that. What do people make on New Year's Day? resolutions, but if you make a good resolution, you might just have made a, what we call our in 1776, we call that American, what was that, Uh, we're going to have ourselves a what? Revolution. Revolution. So we make a resolution to have a revolution. We resolve to say no more, no more, and so, yeah, that's what I use that word, revelation, I just... Make it a little bit different and do this. Uh, Let me make sure it's working good. Yeah, try this. Oh, well, mine is, uh, it was doing so good. Let me try something. Hang on. Well, it's just not changing. I'm. Uh, I'll let it go from there. So, while my expert in uh, say revolution, we're going to do something drastically different. Revolution. They thought you're catching everybody off guard. These little colonialists. Colonialist. <laughs> People in the colonies there, uh, they decided to do something that's totally rad. They just sort of said, hey, we're going to fight the Great Britain Empire. Um, what else is radical? Here it is. If Hertz were hares, we'd all look like grizzlies. Think about that. We got a grizzly bear standing out in there at the um, pavilion. Y'all know one. If hurts were hairs, we'd all look like grizzlies. Even the smooth-skinned beauties of the magazine covers, the composed pastors of the pulpit, the sweet little old lady who lives next door, all of them, all of us, furry, hairy beasts we'd become. If hurts were hairs, we'd all be lost in the thick of them. Why? Because we've all been hurt, and we've actually hurt others. I told you this story the other day. It bears repeating. For aren't there so many hurts in the world, so many. When kids mock the way you walk, their insults hurt. When teachers ignore your work, the neglect hurts. When your girlfriend drops you, when your husband abandons you, when the company fires you, it hurts. Rejection always does, thank you. As surely as summer brings sun, so people bring pain, sometimes deliberately, sometimes randomly. And now, see if you remember the story. Victoria Ruvalo can tell you about a random pain on a November evening in 2004 this 44 year old New Yorker was driving to her home in Long Island she had just attended her niece's recital and was ready for the couch a warm fire and relaxation gonna have a great evening she doesn't remember seeing the silver Nissan approach from the east she remembers nothing of the 18 year old boy that hung out the window holding of all things a frozen turkey he threw it at her windshield the 20-pound bird crashed through the glass, bent the steering wheel inward, shattered her face like a dinner plate on concrete. The violent prank left her grappling for life in an ICU unit. Hmm. She survived, but only after doctors wired her jaw, affixed one eye by synthetic film, and bolted titanium plates to her cranium. She can't look in the mirror without being reminded of her hurt. Well, maybe you weren't hit by a turkey, but... Max Locator writes this. He says, you weren't hit by a turkey, but maybe you married one. You worked for one. You got left by one. Now what do you do? Well, there's two choices. You can get bitter or get better because if you carry around that hurt forever, you're only going to hurt yourself. Hmm. So Victoria Ruvolo did what I would hope that all of us could do. Nine months after her disastrous November night, she stood face-to-face with the titanium-bolted face with her offender in court. Ryan Cushing was no longer the cocky, turkey-tossing kid in the Nissan. He was trembling, tearful, and apologetic. For New York City, he had become the symbolize a generation of kids out of control. People packed the room to see him get what he deserved. If I stop the story right there and ask you where you are in this story. You say, I want to be Victoria Rublo and just hand it to this guy. Let me switch it around. Let's make you Ryan Cushing. You're Ryan Cushing. What do you hope she does? You're Ryan Cushing. What do you hope she does? Would you say, I sure hope you forgive me? Would you all actually say that? I wouldn't even say anything to her. I'd say, I'm so... And if she says what she said, and she did say this, people packed the room to see him get what he deserves. The judge's sentence enraged them: only six months behind bars, five years probation, some counseling and public service. Courtroom erupted. Everyone objected. Everyone that is except Victoria Rubelow. The reduced sentence was her idea. The boy walked over. She embraced him. In full view of the judge and the crowd, she held him tight, stroked his hair, and he sobbed, and she spoke and said, I forgive you. I want your life to be the best it can be. God gave me a second chance in life, so I want to pass it on to you. And she says, if I hadn't let go of that anger, I'd be consumed by this need for revenge. Forgiving helps me move on. Hmm. She does have a sense of humor, Her mishap led to her mission, volunteering with the county probation department. I'm trying to help others, but I know for the rest of my life I'll be known as the turkey lady. Of course, it could have been worse. He could have thrown a ham and I'd be called Miss Piggy. Victoria Ruvalo knows how to fill a basin just like Jesus filled the basin and scooted it over and washed the disciples' feet that were very undeserving. Picture that basin. So I want you to picture this as I give your story today. Picture Jesus washing each other's feet. Say, wow, I never expected this at chapel. Just picture. If Uncle Paul got that side and I got this side, some of you, I can read your mind. Some of you would say, please don't wash my feet. This is embarrassing. I don't want it. And even if your feet were clean and not stinky, you'd still say, it's so humbling. But that's what we've got to do in order to let Jesus forgive us. We've got to humble ourselves. So Jesus would scoot the basin over to these disciples and they would probably think, Oh, Jesus, I should be doing this for you. He says, I know, just let it be so. So he scoots the basin over and puts the feet in and washes them off and towel dries them and then scoots around. He does that to everybody. Does he wash Judas's feet? Yeah. Hmm. I grew up in the Church of the Brethren. I asked Jesus into my heart when I was about not quite nine and I was in the... In the church, and one of the things we'd do this two times a year, we'd have a love feast, they would call it. And they would, uh, we'd do just that. We'd wash each other's feet. Have everybody over here, I'd scoot the basin, I'd wash your feet, you'd get up, uh, I'd give you a hug, you'd pass it on to the next person. We'd just wash each other's feet. Well, picture washing feet is forgiveness. Victoria Ruvolo just now scooted the basin in front of Ryan Cushing and washed his feet. Sometimes we don't want our feet washed. Matter of fact, a, there was a disciple that objected to this. Y'all remember that? Peter said, Oh, don't wash my feet. And Jesus says, Well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. He was just trying to say, Come on. And he says, Well, then wash my whole body, my hands, my face, everything. And Jesus says, No, a person who's bathed doesn't need to wash all over. Picture this way when you got saved, it was a bath. Now, you mess up from time to time. I do, you do, all of us do. So we need to wash our hands, wash our feet. We don't need to take a whole bath. We just need to ask God forgiveness. We don't get saved again. You can only get saved once. Just remember this. That's a a very simple doctrine out of the Bible that people get confused on. They think every time I mess up, I'm lost. Every time I ask Jesus, forgive me, I'm saved. No. Um, You were born physically one time. You can be born spiritually one time. You know, you don't have multiple births in the same person. Once you get saved, you say, well, I mess up. I know. Just ask forgiveness. So here we go. Victoria Ruvalo was not around in Gideon's day, but turn to Judges chapter 6. Hmm. Judges chapter 6. These people need to be forgiven. Victoria Ruvalo wasn't there, but God was, and God's going to issue some forgiveness to some people. Instead of revelation... Instead of revelation, two things come to mind. Two things come to mind with these two holidays. When I think of New Year's Eve, I think of fresh starts. Everybody makes a New Year's resolution. Sometimes those last for how long? A day? I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to brush my teeth this year, you know, or whatever it is. I'm going to wear deodorant. I'm going to, you know, just step out there and do something totally different. And then it lasts about a day or a week, you're right, and then we give up on it, and then we think, I don't even remember what it was. So I want more than a resolution. I, I would like a rev- almost like a uh, revolution. All right, I put those two holidays together for you. Fresh starts July the 1st, fir- uh, excuse me, January the 1st. New Year's Day, Black Eyed Peas, Bowl Games, whatever comes to mind for you. Fresh starts and then freedom. So I'm going to call that a fresh start. I'm going to make a resolution, which is really a uh, revolution. I want to do something different. Here's my freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians, right. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That is the sinner we used to be. So once you're free, what's John 8, 32 say? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall be free indeed. So I want you to be free. All right, can I give you a a time that they weren't very free? Here we go. Here's our Bible story today. My last chance to talk to you. I want to make it a good one, so please listen carefully. Gideon's chapter, uh, Judges chapter 6, excuse me, Judges chapter 6. I want to give you some hope because some of you say, well, I'm a young guy or I'm a young girl, and I just, I don't know. I don't feel very strong. Sometimes this story's for you. I've messed up a lot. This story's for you. I need a fresh start like a New Year's resolution. I need to stand up and be more firm like a revolution. I need this. Well, then this story's perfect. So here we go. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's Ryan Cushing. The Israelites are throwing turkeys through everybody's windshield. They're bad. God says, I'm going to correct you. But sometimes he just backs up and lets you be for a while until he steps in and finally corrects you. Because why? It's like me as a lifeguard. I want to come save you. Well, if I come swimming up behind you, that's better. But if I come swimming up towards you and you need to be saved, and, I'm, and you start slashing and hitting me, you start beating me in the face, you're so desperate, you'll crawl on top of my head. So I just back off. i let you wear yourself out. Then I come back in, grab you by the hips, flip you around, slide up. And I've done that before and you get people saved. But I'm not going to fight you. God won't fight you. He just says, okay, y'all being Ryan Cushing, throwing turkeys through windshields. I'm just going to let you be. Or oh, stop them. It's funny how when you mess up, I want God to stop you. Give it to him. How about when I mess up? Well, that's different. You notice how the world doesn't like that? It's like, punish him, Lord. The Lord says, how about I punish you? Well, that's different. No, it's not. If we all got what we deserve, God backs off these people. He says, okay, Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he just gave them into the hands of the Midianites. He's letting them be corrected. Midianites just slap them around, beat them around. So God ought to take up for them. They're being ugly and throwing turkeys through windshields, so to speak. I'm not going to help you. You're sinful. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive. Listen to this. You think you have a tough day. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, shelters, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amicalites, and other eastern princes and peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian's so impoverished to Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Picture this. We go to the park. You put down a blanket, sit out the picnic stuff, and here comes a motorcycle gang. Comes up and they grab all that, slap you the ground, shove Grandma down the hill in her wheelchair, pick up everything, jump back on the motorcycles and ride off. You say it's so tiring. Pretty soon you go out there and do it again. Here they come again. You know, they're water bombing you. Maybe it's paint. Throw balloon paint bowls at you. After a while, you say, "Where's your picnic going to be held at?" You're there in the basement of the house. We're having a picnic. Dad's like, "Y'all having fun?" Dad, we're having a picnic in the basement. Well, if we go out there, what will happen? Those guys on the motorcycles will come by and kill us, or be evil. To guess what? That's what they're doing. So Gideon's afraid. They're living in clefts and caves, and you know, they they come out. They're almost afraid that here comes the band of ugly people we got Ryan Cushing's coming out of the hills and throwing turkeys at us. They're cruel. They're mean, of course. Israelites being mean too. They're sinning against God. They've ignored Him for so long. They finally cry out to help. God hears their cry. And here's what He does. He sends help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Guys, you are mine, is what He would say. If I was your pastor, I'd say, Helen, Karen, Susie, Sarah, Rodney, whatever your name happens to be, I'd say. Didn't you ask Jesus in your heart last year? Yes, sir. How come I haven't seen you in two years at church? I don't know. I just. Aren't you the one that came forward that night? Aren't you the one? Where you been? That's what God's doing. Where you been? Well, Lord, we I don't know. We just well. And anyway, God says that's. So who's causing this trouble? They are. They're probably mad at God. Israelites cried out to God and God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the land of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Hey, I've done everything for you. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you've not listened to me. The very thing I told you not to do, you do. So, We got some good news coming. And here it is. Oh, well. I think I will. uh... That continues to have problems. I'll just tell you my story. Look at verse 11. Here comes the relief. The angel Lord shows up. He's going to cause a revolution. Why? It's a new year, so to speak, a resolution. They're going to turn over and do something new. It's not just a new leaf that lasts for a day. This is going to be something new. God's going to give them victory. It's a revolution. They're going to fight back to this motorcycle gang that keeps throwing turkeys at them. Watch what he says. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Orpha that belonged to Joash the Asborite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. What's a wine press, guys? Well, remember that's this big sort of thing over here you'd put grapes in. You'd squish them like this. Well, you're supposed to do that wheat way out there in the field. Why is he doing it here? Because he's scared. So he's mashing, grinding up wheat in a wine press and probably looking for the raiders to come down out of the hills. And he's afraid to turn his back because if he does, you know, you turn around and out and, whoa, like that. You know, the raiders are there and it's like, huh. and he might be beat up. He might be yanked out of that wine press and left with a black eye. So he's cautiously looking around and turns around and there's an angel. And the angel speaks. angel of the Lord came and sat down on the yoke of Orphan. It belonged to, yep, yeah, there it is, son Gideon, threshing wheat. Look what he says. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, look what he says. My Bible says it. You read it in your Bible. He didn't say, hey, how's it going? Give me a high five. You okay? What did he say? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> now, this won't make any sense, unless so let's make it applicable. When you go back home, and I don't get to preach to you anymore, and you go back home, and you don't hear messages, and counselors, or campers, or anything else, you're going to have days that you feel like, I'm just weak today. I don't know, God, what's going on. Picture an angel coming to you and say, God is with you, mighty warrior. And don't laugh at that. You say, oh, God is with me. See, can I paraphrase the next few verses right here? Uh, the angel shows up and says, God is with you, mighty warrior. First of all, he probably looks around and says, who are you talking to? I'm not a mighty warrior. And if God is with us, why am I here in the wine press? That's what he says. He says. the Lord is with you mighty warrior but sir get he replied if the Lord's with us why has all this happened? where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said did not the Lord bring us about of Egypt but now the Lord has abandoned us and he's put us in the hand of the Midian why did the Lord abandon them? because of their sin see he's griping back that's sometimes like you so let's pretend you never get like this but if you're sitting there uh, you're in time out As you get older, that's called jail. But anyway, so you're sitting in a jail cell, and I come up and say, "Um, I'm here to visit you. I'm your pastor. You can be a mighty warrior for God. Yeah, I'm a mighty warrior. What am I doing in jail? Listen, I didn't put you there. Ryan Cushing's in jail for six months for throwing a turkey through a windshield. He was obedient enough and humble enough to at least say, I don't deserve this. I'm broken. I deserve a lot more. He did not say, what am I doing in jail? Ryan, you threw a turkey and almost killed somebody. This angel shows up and says, mighty warrior, you know, God's with you. Yeah, if God's with me, why are we in the mess that we're in? Now, I'm going to really get picky on you right there. Some of you might feel that way. Why has God did this to my family? Why is my mom running around with a boyfriend who's about like the one you described? Remember I told you about Jimmy Wayne the other day? It's like, wow, why why is he like this? Jimmy Williams left at a bus station when he was 12. He could have shook his fist and said, God, what are you doing this for me? God worked things out and he's a success today. But I don't know how God works. You're asking me something I don't know. Gideon's just saying, God, where are you? Well, he answers him. Why is this? You've abandoned us. The Lord turned to him and said, He didn't offer excuses. I've not abandoned you. It's because of the sin, but I've heard your cry. Listen to what he says Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I'm going to change things around right now. It's going to be a revolution. Okay, first thing he does is offer excuses. But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites as they were but one man. Gideon replied, Well, if I found favor in your eyes, let me just make sure if I found favor. And he put out an offering for him. And sure enough, he prayed and God, the offering was taken. He realized he was in front of God. Okay, let's make it a simple story today. So I'm going to tell you, Gideon shows up, sitting there crushing wheat. Here comes an angel of the Lord, but he doesn't see him. And then all at once, he says, God be with you, mighty warrior. You go home this week. And just remember those words, God is with you, mighty warrior. I'm not a warrior. If you're a child of God, you can be a warrior. Now, if I don't have Jesus in my heart, then I'm I'm fighting a battle alone. But if I've got him, he never leaves me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So God shows up, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, I'm not a mighty warrior. You're probably looking at somebody else. Matter of fact, I'm sort of mad at God because he's abandoned us. And God basically says, I didn't abandon you. You all are sinning, but I've heard your cry. I want to get you out of this so you'll stop sinning. So call on him this week when you go home and next week. And God scoots up beside you and says, I'm with you. And you say, okay. So these people did this. Gideon, I want you to go be the leader. And Gideon says, oh, you, I'm the least of the nothings of the nothings of the... I mean, you if you put all the tribes, I'm the clan and the family. We're the last person you choose. That's exactly why I'm choosing you. And Gideon, make sure it's God. And then God says this in the next couple of verses. He says, Gideon, Can I just sort of make this real simple for you today? There are some things in your life that you need forgiveness of. There are some things in your life that need to be removed. Okay, how can I make that practical for you? Some things in your life might need to change when you go back home. I told this to the guys last night and I'm going to tell it to you today. If there's things at the house, if I have, whether it's music or something on the computer or something on the, if that makes me feel away from God, then I don't want to use that. Gideon's got some things that, uh, they got an Asherah pole. That's sort of like a female Baal. They, they worship gods back then, only the false gods. There's a Baal, an idol that they bow down to, and a female Baal, so to speak. So sort of like here's a big statue, or here's an Asherah pole, and they got them. And God comes up to Gideon and he says this, For me to bless you, you've got to get rid of the things that are ungodly. That's why you're in the mess that you're in. I mean, if somebody was an alcoholic, I'd come up and say, listen, first thing we're going to talk, we're going to take your beer and pour it down the kitchen sink. Oh, no, I can't. Yeah, we are. You can't be tempted to drink if it's not there. Well, what logic? So he comes up and he says this. Gideon, you're the mighty warrior. We're going to change things around. I want you to begin by chopping down an asher pole. I'll do it and I want you to take pride in you're serving God now yes guess where the Asherah pole is down in the city square nope across the street nope where's the Asherah pole Jenny's front yard his dad's got it can you imagine what he's going to have to go to Gideon I want you to start at your own house Oh, God, if I chop that down, my dad will kill me. Okay. What happens? You might be surprised. Look in chapter 6. Here's the story. Verse 23, but the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Yes, God showed up right in front of you. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. Sounds like he rededicated himself to God's service. To this day it stands in Orphan of the Asperites. That night, that same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Oh God, why do we have to start with me? Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God in the top of this bluff. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down off the second bull as a burnt offering. So, I like this verse 27. Did Gideon do this himself? So Gideon took ten of his servants. Uh, He did do it at night. Why? Why did Nicodemus come to see Jesus at night? Perhaps he's afraid or embarrassed. I don't know. Gideon's going to do this. It's like, ooh, this is scary stuff, but I'm going to do it. So he takes ten of his friends, did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid, see there, of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. But, hey, he did it. So now let's make this practical. God is calling you a mighty warrior. You say, I don't feel like a mighty warrior. I don't feel that way at all. Well, if God said it, that settles it. Heard a preacher say that a long time ago. Somebody said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And he said, I'm going to change that. God said it, and that settles it whether you believe it or not. I'm a mighty warrior. I don't look like one today, but I am. I'm in God's army. Some of us feel like we're Green Berets. Some of us just regular soldiers, but we're in God's army. Well, guess what? He's going to tell you to go back home. Get rid of the things that slow you down in your faith. Start trying to do the things that will help you grow. And you're just like Gideon. Mighty warrior, go to work. And Gideon says, where do I start? You start in your very own household. Remember that Christmas song? It says something like this. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Yeah. Why is it always someone else that needs correcting? Yeah, let's handle it ourselves. So Gideon says, I will. Takes down the things in the front yard. He's back a stand for God, and you say, oh, he's in trouble now. Well, let's see how much trouble he got into. Sure enough, in the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, like it should be, and the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. That new altar is for God. Somebody basically says this, hey, who unpadlocked the church and let people go in there to worship God again? And who tore down this stuff? They did a little bit of researching. They carefully investigated it. Verse 29 says, and they found that it was Gideon. Oh boy. Here comes a group of people coming down to pound on Gideon's door. Gideon's dad answers the door. What is it? We're here for your son Gideon. We're going to hurt him. Uh, they pound on the door and they want to know who cut down the Asherah pole, who demolished the uh, Altar to Baal. They ask each other, Who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. So the men of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son. He must die. Wow, I'm glad we don't take things in extreme. Does this remind you of anything today? You know, again, I don't want to go political on you. If we got violence happening, what Martin Luther King said this, Hate does not drive out hate. Only love can do that. Hmm. Isn't that odd? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And the Bible even tells us, don't return evil. Don't return, what? Evil for evil. Return good for evil. So if someone's mean, he said, Jesus even says, turn the other cheek. Don't fight in people. So instead, if somebody does something wrong, we don't burn down a town. Gideon, you're in trouble. His dad says something very wise. Watch this. His dad steps out to this crowd. He's not going to fight them. He's going to say this. I'll paraphrase what he's saying. Do y'all believe in Baal? Yeah! You think Baal's a strong god? Yeah! Then let Baal fight his own battles. My son will stay in the house. Closes the door back and walks back in. Gideon's up in his room shaking. Death's going to kill me. And he walks up the steps, opens up the door and says, Gideon, yes sir, I'm proud of you. You did what was right last night. Wow. You mean God will bless me if I do what's right? Yes. The men of the town demanded, bring out your son. He's got to die. Wow, he jumped to a conclusion there. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you going to try to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. But if Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when somebody breaks down his altar. So that day they called Gideon Jerub a Baal, saying, let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. So Gideon had success. By the way, if you don't know the stories of Gideon, he continues to defeat the Midianites. In chapter 7, he just goes after him. Gideon's got some great stories of how he fought with 300 men and defeated basically about 30,000. I'm going to see if this will uh, work. Okay maybe not chapter 7 glance at the first couple of things early in the morning Gideon all his men camped in the valley of Herod the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley and the Lord says you have too many men 22,000 men left that day do y'all know this story and then he continues to let the men who are fearful go home they did He finally comes down to, long story short, he ends up with about 300 men. 300 men. God says, I just don't want you to ever think it's you. I just want you to know it's me. So, I've got a couple key things. I I was going to show them to you up here. I don't know that this is working real good, or uh, I'll just have to tell them to you. Gideon, Was called a mighty warrior. He didn't think he was. Right now, I'm going to tell you, you don't think you are. God says, if you're a child of mine, I'm going to call you a mighty warrior. Gideon didn't think he could make a difference. You can. Gideon started at his own house to make a difference. And Gideon had to accept the fact that God was going to use him the least of the nothings of the, God, I'm the last person you'd call. He says, you're who I'm looking for. So I don't know what's going on in your mind today, but I get one last chance to talk to you and this is it. I want to encourage you that next week, remember the story of Gideon. You might not feel that God's with you anymore. The Israelites didn't, but God was there. Maybe it was sin that was stopping them from getting God's blessing. It was. And God says, let me remove the things that are bothering you. I don't know what you've got to get rid of at the house. You say, my brother bothers me. Can I get rid of him? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying get rid of the things that will slow us down. I, I've got things like that too. Every time if I say, every time I talk to so-and-so, I end up gossiping and griping. Then don't talk to so-and-so. Maybe we need some new friends. Maybe we need some new things to take place of the old. Is that a resolution? Yes. So I'm going to resolve today, just like New Year's, i want to make a resolution that I'm going to try to read this at least a little bit. I won't even say a chapter. Just read it every day. It's almost like protective armor that goes around you when you read this. Hmm. And revolution reminds me we've got to put up a fight against who? Against the devil. Don't give in so easily. I can read your mind. Sometimes you say, I am not going to mess up. And you do. And you say, boy, I could have fought so much harder than that. Well, let's put up a fight against the devil because we've got, after all, God on our side. Let's read this verse one more time. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Don't go back to the way you used to be. The Israelites, remember he says, I brought you out of slavery, and now y'all went right back into being a slave, only not to the Egyptians, but the sinful practices. Okay. Last thought. Some of you are doing great. You've been doing pretty good, and then you feel like, well, I'm, I don't know. Just uh, If it's physical, we'd say we're out of shape. Well, spiritual, we're sort of out of shape. Maybe we've drifted a little bit. Maybe you've and God is just calling you back today to say, time to rededicate your life, renew yourself to me, and the devil is whispering, no, don't do that. Maybe you feel like, I used to this and I used to that. I used to be pretty good. Can I get back to where I was? Absolutely. I want us to be a man after God's own heart like David was. David messed up, but he was a man after God's own heart. Deep in his heart, he knew where he had to be. I'm going to close. Paul's going to play a song. We're going to be real still and let God speak to us.